Hello, hey, and welcome to Ask the Color Expert. My name is Elaine Travis. I am a career hair colorist, independent educator, and author of the book, A Colorful Journey. I'm here every week sharing tips, tricks, and stories that are all things hair color. Thanks for joining me, and let's get started. Hello, and welcome back to the Ask the Color Expert podcast. Today's special guest is Natalie Verasso. She is a salon owner of Retreat Hair in Australia. She is the author of the book, Love Your Hair, that she wrote for consumers about salon life, which I love. And she specializes in gray hair transitions and consultations. So we are going to have a great chat about those things. Welcome, Natalie. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I really am excited to be here. I'm so excited. And it took us forever to get together because we are so far apart that it's tomorrow (laughs) where you are. Yeah, I know. How crazy crazy is that? (laughs) I'm in your future. (laughs) Exactly. You are in my future. I feel like I'm I'm in a, uh, a movie. It's so crazy, but it's so amazing that the biggest gift that COVID has given us is that everyone's so comfortable on Zoom now. You know, when I first started doing online education, when I would want to have somebody, you know, come in as a guest artist, they were like, what, what is this link? Where do I go? What do I do? People were so frazzled. And now you and I are, you know, a 23 hour flight from each other and we're chatting like we're in a coffee shop together. So I love I that. Yeah. Love, yeah. love, love it. So tell me about your salon. You know, I'm, I'm sure people here in the U.S. that are, well, I do have listeners from Australia and, and other parts of the world, but um, for the U.S. Uh, person listening, I'm sure they would be curious if there's anything uniquely different to an Australian salon. I know, unfortunately, you were hit with a really long lockdown, even more than we were. So that's the first difference. But as far as your daily um, salon life, can you think of anything that would be unique to Australia that we wouldn't do? Oh, you know what? I don't know. Um, I was in Canada at the beginning of 2020 uh, for a wedding. And that was when literally, I think it was three days before I was to come home, the world heard about Corona. So um, we got back and everything. But while I was there, I decided that I might just make an effort to go around and just um, say good day in a few salons and just nothing more than just, you know, chatting. And, and I asked that same question. Uh, so what I did is I went through uh, my uh, color. I use Goldwell in the salon, so uh, retail and professional. Uh, so I decided to go through my rep and a few contacts I had and said, you know, can you go like, if this is where I'm going to be, is there any salons in this kind of vicinity that maybe I can pop into and say good day to? Just so I had a little introduction. Um, and honestly, I think it was, it, it, nothing kind of stood out to me. So me actually being in a salon there, um, I think today more than ever, everyone kind of specializes in their own little thing. So I could go to a salon in Melbourne and it would be totally different to how I might run my own. Um, and I feel like now we're all becoming, it's all becoming quite familiar that way. Um, so no, not that I can really think of. I, I feel like any salon kind of finds their niche or, or their their ideal client or, or who they attract and that's their point of difference but um not off the top of my head I can't think of anything crazy other than yeah just different climates and wearing summer and you're in winter 
<laughs> right. The opposite seasons. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. uh, the only other thing is the spelling of the word color. When I'm yes. chatting with people online and I say expert color solutions and someone from Australia is on there, they're like, I can't find your website. And I'm like, are you sure? And they're, they're typing it in and typing it in, but they're right. spelling color, C-O-L-O-U-R. Yeah. So that's really the biggest um, Actually, difference. The other the other thing that has now started to become a language here is people are saying bangs. And I have to say, I, I don't, I want to say true to fringe. It just right, feels right. right. It does and sound I'm better. Fringe like, sounds much better. I agree. I just like the, I didn't say it makes sense. Fringe, right? But I have a friend in the hairdressing industry and he does uh, a lot of training and he's done training over in America as well. And so he started using the word, but he'd say, he'd say um, bang without the S. And I don't know that you ever refer to it as a bang. It'd be bangs always, right? Right. right. So I would laugh. I think it sounded funny. And I thought, I just don't want to get it wrong. <laughs> so I'm going to stick with fringe. But uh, people come in, like when I get new guests come in the salon, they'll say, I think I want to get some bangs. I'm like, what are you Australian? Fringe. <laughs> you but sell out. Stop, stop using that word. You sell out. Oh You're Australian. <laughs> but it's funny. actually, it's on its way out. Everyone's going to be saying bangs. I think that's something I've recognized. Yeah. Well, you, you know what happened probably? It's the, the term curtain bang was such a hot trend that you uh, never heard curtain fringe. So that's probably where the bang got adapted. And now they're just using it as the universal thing. Okay. Because that's a big okay. trend right now. The curtain bangs. Yeah, I still say curtain fringe, but yeah, same. Yeah. I love that anyway. when you were in Canada, you introduced <laughs> yourself to salons because I do that all the time. And yeah. sometimes people are like, look at you kind of like, why are you here? Like they're just yes, uncomfortable about it. You were smart enough to, to have a little heads up from your uh, distributor. I don't do, I just walk in and, you know, yeah. Hey, how are you? I'm a hairdresser. Da, da, da. They're kind of like, Whoa, 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 Whoa. Where, who are you? Or, or I'm always peeking in, you know, I'll be in Italy yeah. and I'll be walking by shops and I'm like this. And they're probably like, who is that crazy lady? But we love what we do. And the people that are in our industry, we're so like-minded and we have yeah. kind of the same interests that you want to connect with people, no matter where you are, um, that are in the industry. So you mentioned that you specialize in silver transitions and gray transitions. Mm. That is, I mean, I'm sure you're familiar with Jack. Jack I am. <laughs> already I said, why, yeah, am I, yeah. why am I blanking on his last name? I want to say. Martin. Jack Martin. I wanted to say Jack Howard. Jack Howard's also a colorist. So Jack Martin started, you know, doing these transformations and he went viral and he's all over the place, but he's not really approachable from the hairstylist, you know, like when people reach out I'm to him. I'm so glad you said that because yeah, I reached I was, out. Yeah. I reached out to him to be on the podcast, totally ignored me, reached out to him for something else, totally ignored me. And I was like, you know, for me, no matter how busy I am, no matter how much I have going on, I would never ignore anyone at, at any time. You know, I would at the at the minimum, I would have an automatic reply saying my inbox, get, my inbox is getting inundated. I have a lot going on. Thank you for reaching out. Like, just acknowledge that you got the message. Um, so when you look on the forums now, you know, I'm on so many hair forums on Facebook, Every single day, there's a question, you know, you have the client with the three inches of white and then 72 inches of dark level four brown hair. And they say, how can I make this client 
gray and silver, like it's like, boom, genie in a bottle Mm -hmm. done. And every Mm -hmm. single person that answers doesn't give advice. They say, follow Jack, follow Jack, follow Jack. So they keep sending, yeah, they still (laughs) keep sending people to him, but he's not really giving his full answer. So how did you make that your specialty and how did you get so good at it? Because there's not a whole lot of information out there on those transitions and it is so popular. Well, I actually, if I'm really honest, I do a lot of free hand cutting. So it doesn't have to be curly hair, anyone's hair, really fine, really thick, really frizzy, really straight. It doesn't matter. I, I cut with the movement of the hair. I just believe everyone has that, whether it's a pull from the, the crown because of how it spirals or there's, there's always a bit of a bend or a kink generally even in straight hair. So I just I just approach a haircut wanting to give it, uh, well, with the goal that if I can create a wash and wear hairstyle, who doesn't want that? So if I can do all the work within the design of the haircut, then it means there's very little effort in styling for my guest when she has to do her hair every day. And that's a win-win for everyone. And then she looks amazing and she looks amazing even when I didn't do her hair. So I basically took that same why I, I think about um, creating a hairstyle and I started to look at it for the color transition. Um, and basically you are looking at the hair. You're looking at the natural color, the natural color placement, um, the, and, and you are following that. I mean, that there's a secret right there. So then once you can see that, you are then basically then looking at it with the pre-existing color now becomes your um, color correction if you like. So you have to know all the things you do know and apply it about color, which is how healthy is the hair? Because when you're going to go through a color correction, if there is anything like lifting that has to be done, uh, you need to know the hair is strong enough to take it. So you, and look, honestly, everything, whether it's my haircuts or my colors, um, the root of that is all about the consultation, which is something else we can talk about later that I don't believe you can do a great haircut or a great color, my belief, without getting that consultation dead on. So with the, um, with the transitioning, you're looking at whether you've got, um, so you've got to look at the natural color, you've got to look at the pre-existing color, and we're going to now kind of mesh these two together. Um, now, I don't know, I have reached out to Jack myself and asked some questions, um, and I do try to look at everything that's going on in the background when he posts things, just even to try and get a reflection in his mirror of what's happening, just, you know, just how many things are coming together for what he's doing, because it's so hard to see. Um so I don't know, I can't say for sure exactly what his approach is. I, I, as a hairstylist, like you said, we're all same like-minded and intrigued and interested in each other's craft and, and skills. Um, but I started doing it because I had, I basically, got, I had guests coming in that I could feel, you can feel the energy from the person you're working with. And it was just like this, ugh, I'm back again, another two hours in the salon to get this regrowth done that I had only done two or three weeks ago. And now this enjoyment of coming to the salon was gone. And I didn't like working with that energy either. And so, and I don't know if it was just, a, I think it was a pivotal moment too, that I just felt um, to a degree, I did let the, the guests lead the way with what she was going to have done that day. Whereas the hairdresser, and this all started, I should say, time frame seven years ago, I, I started working in and developing a way of transitioning women to their natural color. So it's been quite a long time. It hasn't just happened now, but where I, where I started and where I'm today, um, yeah, now I can actually articulate how I do that and, and I actually have a plan and, and a goal and it's a lot quicker and shorter. 
where I started. It was a longer process, but but eventually I got where I needed to get to. And I'm still fine-tuning it. I'm throwing a whole lot of stuff at you right now. I love it. I love it. Keep, keep and it I'm coming. Just, so you interrupt whatever you want. No, I'm, I'm I love thinking it. of um, the first person I actually transitioned and uh, and she's never looked back. Actually, if I throw a question at you and you just pick my brain with what you want to know, but I have the uh, there's a few things that get asked of me, um, people who are intrigued about possi- possibly going that way with their own hair. And one of the, the most common questions at the moment is um, how many women go through this transition with you, Nat, and then decide not this is not for me and, and don't like it. And if I'm honest, I have to say none. Um, but I have, Interesting. I have create, I've created a, what I call as a three-step uh, kickstart to the, the transition. And it has a lot to do with um, the emotional journey for women to transition to that. Um, everything that white hair still stands for in our minds what it represents and then kind of breaking that that train of thought and old old-fashioned kind of beliefs um but also you know these women are a lot a lot of them are in their you know 50s plus um and you know and still trying to be this you know woman who, who's not old by any means but still feel trendy and still feel really well put together and stylish um but but there's still that clouded thought of you know that but I'm letting my hair go now because I'm going white. And I and I kind of help them and I mentor them through that process as well because it is a big part of, of a successful transition. Um, so, again, I'm going to jump everywhere because I've got things flashing in my brain because I'm going back to Jack, right? And I think, you know, when some of his people come in, they have, um, you know, he does it in one go, right? You're, you're straight to white. Whereas I my experience with the women I help transition is that they tell me at the end, once we've actually achieved, what Jack does in one go, um, that they actually preferred we did it in those steps that I created to ease into it because they've got feedback from either a partner who's like, I don't like it, I don't want you to go white, um, friends, sisters, family, whatever, and, um, and and they're battling that too and they're thinking, oh, you know, no one else is embracing this. There are people obviously around you who will, but you always listen to the ones who don't. So sometimes it's like you know particularly if it's a partner and you're living with them it's like how do I you know I want to do this but I don't I want them to also be on this journey with me but at least supportive so when you just go from one to the next that can be pretty dramatic and take a lot to really adjust to Um, I suppose my approach is a lot more gentle uh, a lot more feminine (laughs) because I, I kind of you know working with their emotion at the same time so um yeah, so there's a lot of things I kind of packaged up. And so the, the feedback has been that they really liked that progression, that it was really gentle. Most people didn't know at the beginning and they just naturally went that way. But the whole time they felt um, like they were running a really great colour, they looked good um, and they were able to show up to, you know, events or family dues and feel really confident. So that's always, you know, something I look at, you know, being able to send them out each appointment. The other thing Jack does, because I have broken this part down, most of them, not all, but a lot of them, they have a really decent regrowth when he starts. And, and from my experience with how I've designed it, you are so quiet and letting me do so much talking here. I hope I'm not boring you. <laughs> <laughs> but my experience is that the bigger the regrowth as a colorist, the easier it Absolutely. is to do that transition because now you can really see the true color. Because when you're looking at a tiny little regrowth, everything looks more dramatic when you've got the majority of the color is, you know, really um the the contrast between the two is quite big but when but for most women if you can get a decent you know six months even which is a lot uh regrowth then um 
then most women start to say, oh, it doesn't look so bad anymore. It's not as dramatic. Um, so yeah, so there's lot, I can, I'm happy to step you through the whole process, but you know, I'll let you, I'll let you well, talk. The, the one thing that <laughs> as well, as a colorist and as someone who, I love that we're going to talk about consultation as well, because I think that's one of the most skipped over things and the biggest issue with correct, you know, people coming in for adjustments and all of that is because the consultation was skipped. But when a client only has that, you know, inch or inch and a half of gray and they start having the conversation, you know, I'm thinking about letting my gray come in. What do you think? And they, they'll turn around and look at me and I'm looking at them and I'm like, I don't know, because I don't know what your gray is going to look like. You know what I mean? Some of them are salt and pepper. Some of them are pure white. Some of them have a weird in-between shade to it. And I'm so used to matching warm and cool skin tone to hair color when, when gray and white has no color. In my experience, I've seen women look absolutely stunningly beautiful and then I've seen women look like if they don't pile on six inches of foundation and lipstick, they've completely disappeared. So how do you guide them as far as that goes? Like, have you had women where you're like, this is not for you, this gray is just washing you out? Or have you found a way to come up with a shade of gray that works with anyone's skin tone? All right. Well, again, this is my own, um, I suppose this is just coming from me and what, what I've discovered with coloring hair and working with natural color is that. I find that it almost always suits that person's skin tone. Um, if I if I could, I, I think the most fun is when you have patches of really strong areas of more solid white with very little natural color in between, because then you've got this beautiful clean. And and look, I don't know if this is out of line or not, but I believe white is actually not a cool color. It, it's a warm color. It, it doesn't actually drain color away. If you if you, if you could ever produce just the be a full full white, and and it, you know when white can get a bit stained, it will go yellow. Right. The warmth comes in. So so I actually talk about white as a warm color, not a cool color. What makes the white hair look more cool and that gray tone that looks washed out is the the percentage of natural color that sprinkles in and around it, which is like if you think of paint, you got white, you got right. black. And depending how much you mesh it together, you get this gray. So if you have someone with, um, you know, a natural level, let's just say six, um, six or even a five is going to, and, and you have quite a lot salt and peppered in around the white, you're going to see more of a gray looking head of hair. So, but then if, if you still have those two colors, but you have pat more patches of, of white that is less interrupted by the natural, and then other areas you'll find on the hair that are more natural with no white in it, you end up with these amazing color patterns that kind of almost streak themselves through the head. And that always looks amazing. So when it comes to though, if you want to fine tune it and do a little bit more uh, color balancing and take control as the colorist for how you want that to reflect on the skin, excuse me, I need to tickle. <laughs> I have my tissues. <laughs> oh, I've got an itch. Hay fever season here. Oh my goodness. Um, then with toners. So, I mean, I'm, I'm a big fan of adding pink in my toners and I find that any shade of pink um, when you've got when you're working with natural colors just gives the most beautiful soft filter and it works on yellow skin types pink skin type it, it almost seems to break all rules of having to really work it out it just works uh, I, I don't love know that that's a great that. tip yeah I, I just really like I've that. just had so much luck with um with always adding some 
element of pink to the toner. Even if it's a really, really silver, cool toner I'm mixing up, I still put a scrape of pink in there. Now, when you um, say pink and you use gold, well, what's an example? Because that's what people are going to write to me and say, what, what is the pink she's talking about? Is it a vivid? Uh, is it semi? Is I, it order, I order so much of the demi, the colorants, pastel pink. Oh, so they have a pastel pink. Okay. Mm, it's gorgeous. I use Great it for everything. Yeah, yeah. Mic drop. You, we can end it here. It's a mic drop moment. Yeah. I love, <laughs> I love that tip. <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah, we're out of here. <laughs> but if, but you did bring up a good point when you said that the white hair can tend to yellow and all of that because I think that the biggest mistake that I see in these transitions is when people are foiling to get rid of the colored hair and they're foiling up to the scalp. So they're they're bleaching the gray hair along with the brown hair that they're trying to get rid of. And they're turning the gray into that weird yellow that comes out when you bleach gray hair. So okay. I always will, will type in my, my two cents and I'll say, avoid, leave the gray alone. Like when the gray is natural, leave it alone and start where the artificial color begins. So that, that I've done both. So over my kind of perfecting how it's worked, um, my, the biggest goal for me is, and then we'll talk about consultations later, consultations later, but it's basically that let's just take the person who's going, yeah, I want to be my natural color. So we want to get away from color. So if they've come in and they've got, well, because of COVID and lockdown, I've seen like really nice six month regrowths to work with. You think, well, that, that's six months of growth there. You don't want to take them backwards. So you're spot on. You don't want to start creating all those yellow tones um, now that it's all nice and clean. And you should have a really easy way of seeing the map of their own color patterns there to follow. So, but I have found that sometimes to get that blend really working in on the natural hair, there are some areas that do call for just bringing the color up into the natural a little bit, because I, I mean, again, depending on the head hair you're working on, it is really a big job to stop at that line without that becoming still a line because right. it's, you know, so you, we're working with color at one point and then you've got natural at the other and you have to just cross that line just a little bit. But the, the real um, discipline is that you, like you said, don't, don't go and lighten where it's dark. Um, only, only darken in those areas so so the, the easiest transition is when you do have areas that you can follow that are really quite dark and then there's really quite light well then the dark ones you keep them dark you don't lighten right. them you, you follow the you follow the natural color pattern it's um it is it, yeah I, I'm actually I'm looking to put something together that is a bit of a a visual for hairdressers to be able to um, have a little bit of a, a template to use for this kind of thing um but I did start it and then I stopped it because I thought, you know what, you can't do this without the consultation um, because you could go in all this way and do a great result. But if, if your guest wasn't on board or wasn't thinking they wanted to actually go that way, some people say they want to transition, but they don't really know what that transition is going to be for them. Um, so, yeah, you, that's what you nut out in the consultation. And then you can avoid having to do actually as much work as you think you have to. Uh, and they walk out absolutely happy and well, she wasn't a big job at all. So there's many different ways to approach it. And some of them I do with haircut only. I can mesh new color into old. If it's six to six months to a year worth of regrowth, I can almost do that with just a haircut alone and you wouldn't even see the line. Um, 
And then for others, it's as if they've had a lot of pre, uh, lightning in their hair before, uh, you can almost transition it with a toner. Just changing your toners to, to silver it up a little bit more, just depending, and there might be a little bit of foiling that might be involved, but most of it might be toning. Um, I've got examples of that on my Instagram where I've done, where it looks like almost like a, like a bit of a Jack Martin before and after, but it was actually purely a toner. That was it. Well, it's definitely um, with how long you were all locked down and not able to work. It sounds like you started this before that though. I'm sure this I makes did. your transitions yeah. easier, but you were ahead of it before that even yeah. happened. I started seven years ago wow. at, at wanting to start helping. So this is where we started the conversation where I, I started offering the idea. What if we started working in your natural color and we make this part of your new color? So not necessarily the goal being way back then, it wasn't like, let's be all natural, but where you're the whitest, let's make that your color and where you've got more dark, let's work with that. So we're still kind of, but we're, we're just going to change it up a little bit. And I started following already. I started following the color pattern, but most people, uh, women will go white through the, the top somewhere around the face. It, it, the last place you'll get the white for everyone is right in the back. So so generally lightening up. I mean, another great uh, technique that I think even you're using there is, you know, the face framing where you you lighten around the face. So you could literally start a color transition from that point and just go, well, let's start with some face framing and just lighten that up and only lighten where the hair is the whitest and leave everything else alone. It, it's what, really what, hap what inspired you to go that route? Where did that come from seven years ago that you started having those conversations? Wanting my, my guests to get longer than two to three weeks out of their colour, I wanted that for them. I wanted them to enjoy their visit into the salon um, and not have to feel that frustration. But also, as I'm getting older, so I've been almost hairdressing 30 years, and, I'm, and I've always maintained, I, I, I didn't understand why way back when I was 16, but I've always had like a 50-plus age group who've been attracted to my style of hairdressing. So I suppose because I've, for, from almost all, well, most of my career have been managing and looking after women of that age um, I started specializing in what women of that age are looking for and needing and then the, and what I discovered was that no one was looking after these women it was all the younger and that's what and they were getting frustrated so I saw this you know whole amazing age group of women that were just desperate for some guidance and I just oh my god I just I've loved it. I, I've, it's just been great. And all I've done is just fine tune that more and more and more. Um, the latest blog I just wrote was about how I, I believe the transition of where women are going with uh, embracing the natural color um, has become so admired by younger age groups that, that there's been this total shift of they want what they've got, not the other way around. And I love that. Absolutely love that. Um, I also take photos of all my guests. So, uh, tad bit of a control freak here <laughs> and I remember years ago I asked to ask people doing they you know love their haircut and all looking great go home take some photos of it create a photo album so every time we do something different you've got some photos they come that. in and also to save time for so they don't have to look forever in while I'm waiting anyway everyone would do these amazing you know car photos in the car windscreen you know all I see is their face I'm not seeing any hair <laughs> so I was like right I'm doing it myself so I just incorporated their photos as part of their, their profile and I have an album for every single guest. And so for the ones that I have been doing now for some time since I started doing their photos, um, 
this is an amazing moment for me where I've had I've had more than three women do this where they've said okay so can you open up my album I already have it ready for them anyway and they scroll back all the photos of hairstyles they've had and choose one of their own and that to me is so empowering I just got the chills I Um, have a a, um, iPad lookbook that's you know categorize short medium long brunettes blondes redheads but not the client themselves I love mm. that yeah, absolutely yeah. this is going to be my favorite podcast ever I think oh <laughs> let's do more <laughs> but but what you did is you found a need and you filled it I tell my kids all the time they're both you know, they went to school for entrepreneurship and they're like what you know where do you even begin I'm like you find something that's not being done and you become the answer to the issue that people are having so you saw that everybody was paying attention to the younger client and not, you know, it's always been a thing in our industry that the woman in her, you know, late forties to late sixties pays your bills. You know what I mean? They're the people who come all the time and are so loyal and they, they pretty much have to come. Well, I am that lady now and I hate it. I always, I used to be able to do my retouch every eight, 10 weeks, you know, I would have a couple little grays that I would touch up every now and then. And now I am that person you just described. I just had this done probably two and a half weeks ago and I'm, I'm going tomorrow to do a model. And I'm like, mm, should I have him throw my color on? I really could use another color. But if I were to sit in your chair, you know, people listening to the podcast aren't going to be able to see me, but most people know what I look like anyway. And some people will watch this on YouTube, but I have tried to transition to do just foils and kind of let the gray play along with the blonde. And maybe it's me more than anybody looking at me, but I just, when I'm washing my face at night and I see that, you know, big bunch of gray in the part area, it's me that can't get past it. So is there a way to, because I'm pushing, believe it or not, I use Redken Shazy Q as my gray coverage. So I'm pushing Shades EQ to its absolute limit in gray coverage. I'm I'm trying okay. desperately not to get into permanent color. Um, yep. So I don't want to go there, but I definitely don't want to touch up as much as I am. Yeah. Well, look, uh, yes, I could. I, I get excited for any kind of transition. Okay, and, so and now then, I have to get on a 23-hour flight. Yes, to you do. <laughs> and we're going to give Jack Martin a run for his money. <laughs> No, no, no. Honestly, I don't. I, I, I love his work. I, I follow him. I, I, I get excited when I see what he's doing, and it's only um just in, out of interest too. But I, but I also stay true to you know what I, what I know I do well, and and that's okay. And I'm definitely pleasing um the the women, the market of women who are liking what I do and how I do it. And we all have our difference. Um, so it's all good. But yes, okay. But so back to you. I would be sit you down. We would have a chat. Uh, I would ask you about, um, so you kind of already answered that, you know, you look at it and you see it. And I ask you, well, how, how, how quickly do you see it? How, where are you really honing in on? Um, what is it about seeing that, that, that you really don't like? You know, I, I, go, I go deep. <laughs> and so I really work it out. I have the talk first and then I will start looking through your hair. Um, but if you were to come in and let's say you had that two or three week regrowth, I, I would possibly say, I need a minimum. I, I'm almost extending my minimum. My minimum was four weeks of regrowth, but I really need it to be about six. Uh, so I can truly see your percentage of white and where it's mostly coming through. And then I can also see what color of your hair is around it so that I can then suggest to you some options that we could work with for color. So you just said you're trying to avoid 
uh, permanent colour. So that's, you know, that's a, that's a big thing to be listening to. Um, and how are we going to, to work in your white hair so it actually becomes part of your colour? And then as it keeps growing, you're not seeing white anymore because it's already there in around the other colour. So, so there, that's where your white hair regrowth disappears. Um, so you're naturally blonde. Is that what you're saying? Um, no, I'm like a level five. I'm the color of my eyebrows. Okay. So right. Natural level five. And in, in the areas that I'm gray, I'm definitely 50%. I have a, a bad patch under here somewhere that's oops, opposite. So it's oh, really great. That's juicy. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> juicy. <laughs> so that is always hidden because of the way that I wear my hair. But I yeah, guess see, it's I like our conversation that. about the, the fringe thought. again. You know, it's when you, I didn't think I could ever grow my bangs, my fringe out. Um, and now I look back at photos of me with a fringe and I'm like, oh, yeah. that was awful. I, I needed to get over the hump. So maybe that's the issue right now with my hair that I should just let it go and just ignore it for a little bit and just not worry about what it looks like until it becomes part of the overall landscape well, and then it won't be you, so. Yeah, you could definitely do that. And a hundred percent, it would start to blend in and you would actually start to see it differently and it wouldn't be quite so uh, dramatic for you. So that will a hundred percent happen. So you could let it just happen on its own. Um, I think part of what allows women to get excited about what they've not had a great relationship with, with the, the white hairs, is that I do get so excited. But it's not fake. It's real. <laughs> and I'm just like, I can already see it. I can already see your, your hairstyle like 24 months from now and what you're going to look like and where you're going to go. Um, so I think that also has them excited that, I explain it almost like a personal trainer. I'm like their personal trainer with, I'm going to hold your hand through this. We have a plan. This is how it's going to look. These are the steps. These are the amount of appointments you're coming in for. And, and, you're, and we're going to document the whole thing because I take photos from start to finish. But I do anyway for everyone. So that just, and then we just get them comfortable. Uh, I, you know, remove the anxiety. Um, but I try to just give them that vision to start with. And again, all comes down to the consultation the talk because once because I have the vision in, and the image in my head I have to you know get you on board with that too and once I know you are then this is where it becomes fun and it becomes fun for both of us you'll still be a little bit anxious a little bit but you'll be very trusting in the process because it's all been laid out to you and you feel like you're in control and that's the one thing I definitely do have all my guests understand is the whole way through this transition they are in control if they decide tomorrow not nah, don't want to do it well guess what we just color it again they, exactly. they, have, they have nothing to lose yeah. what would you say yeah. are your top three tips on consultation because as a salon owner i've seen things before they even start working on the client's hair i know what's going to go wrong because i've i right. see what they didn't listen to you know, right. they miss the clues and yeah. clients will give you, they will drop the breadcrumbs. They will give you the clues if you're paying attention. So when I'm training someone, I always say two ears, one mouth, listen more than you speak, listen for the clues and you will never go wrong. Um, so what would you say are your three top things that you do? Yeah, well, you've basically just said it. So uh, listening first, uh, actually, no, looking, listening, and then, you know, 
we go and I and then I start asking questions as well. But um, I do. Uh, I really I, I I'm always ready for my guest when she arrives. I'm really about being on time, and I do expect my guests to be on time as well. Uh, now, sometimes very rare unfortunate events I might be running a bit late if I can predict that even if I end up catching up on time if I if I think at any point I'm going to be running a bit late I'll let them know ahead of time so they can either wherever they're coming from they can delay uh, and not have to be waiting in the summer so um, so I'm ready for them when they walk in the door and I want to be ready for them so that I'm in a good place I've seen out the last person um, kind of like you know get myself all ready my station ready and now I'm in a good Good place for you to welcome in the next person when they come in it's a lot about how someone enters a salon and how you look and read their body language it tells you a lot about where you'll start this consultation some people can be quite rushed they've walked in and they're fidgeting or they take their jacket off and just that the, the movement can really tell you okay they're having a busy day they're distracted or they're going to be in a hurry we need a mental note we need to discuss if they've got the time they need for this appointment they've just booked in for or are they going to put the pressure on me halfway through to say how much longer will this be um this is a big one at the moment the other thing is uh, definitely listening letting them do uh the talking first but i i will obviously ask the first questions so what would you like to tell me about your hair today you know where would you like to start uh and i don't touch them so um i don't touch them and i never talk through the mirror i always sit beside them but I do face them normally as they would sit towards the mirror and I sit to their kind of diagonal. And I do that because then I watch how they actually, uh, so, so when I'm asking a question, they have the ability to look at themselves or not look at themselves. Generally, if I'm a bit kind of black and white about it, you'll find your 50 plus won't look at the mirror, they'll look at me. So they look away if they're 20 year old they'll be looking right at themselves <laughs> that's so interesting and so true <laughs> i say that with love i say that with love it's just an interesting observation um so it's a lot of like looking and you know a lot of touching I, i'm over touching. here i was touching yeah but even looking at that and how someone touches their hair tells you a lot about whether they you know are really attached to it because they're doing this a lot or if they're like moving it up all the time then there's someone who's actually interpreting that they actually like body and movement so when it comes to that finishing you don't want to be having that really slick and straight because this person was so it's all about watching the body language um you can take a lot away from that and not speaking too soon um is a really great one because that gets someone's attention when you don't speak and you allow a bit of silence sometimes just to watch. Um, and the last thing I'll do is, is touch their hair, but I always ask for permission. Um, is it okay if I touch your hair now? And they, they said, yeah, of course. I had one woman who, a um, new guest, and I, I went through all those things, but she was, uh, she was very uncomfortable with this because most people will say to me, I've never had a consultation like that before. Mm. And that's become a very common thing for me to hear. But she was literally like, are you going to touch my hair? Are you going to touch my hair? For anyone who can't see me, I'm just, I'm putting my head to the side. So I'm showing my head. <laughs> that person, you're going to touch, you're going to touch it. And I'm like, I will. Later, I'll, I'll touch it soon. And that just like, she'd know where to go with it. I said, I think we just need to take, take your time. It's all good. But she was so on edge and so racy that, um, and like us, we were chatting just before when you, when you were saying how you feed off each other's energy or you feel that energy. And that can really upset um, you know, when you're as a stylist, you're going to touch someone, you're going to, 
you do feel what they're feeling. And so when I begin, I don't want to start on someone who's not one paying attention with what we're, where we're going. I don't like this, you know, I'll do what you think, you know, I'll like it. That's, that's a trap. I'll tell you that. Mm, right. Now. Yes. <laughs> Never trust that one. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, just getting them settled and, you know, in, in the moment, what are we going to do? Let's work together on this. Um, and I find that, yeah, I always end up with great, great results from that. That was a really long answer to the three top things. That's okay. It's, it's all good. <laughs> I, I just heard a statistic and I'm trying to remember the source, but it doesn't really matter. So they interviewed cl- salon clients and said, do you get a consultation on every visit? And 20% said yes. And then they interviewed the same amount of hairstylists and said, do you give a proper consultation? And 80% said yes. So there's a big disconnect over what a stylist mm. thinks is a consultation. So I am in your camp. I am hundred percent. I will spend much more time in a consultation than starting the service because I know if someone's super fidgety and nervous and not trusting within you know, 10 minutes into the consultation, she still doesn't trust me. It's not going to go well, you know, and it's not yes. a good fit. So I've turned people away versus mm. rushed through the consultation to be like, lady, shut up. Let's just get your color started. Because I know, you know, every other sentence is, well, my last person and the person before that, and the one before that, and nobody can ever get it right. You know, all those little breadcrumbs that they're sprinkling, like yeah. I am crazy. I am unhappy because I don't know what I want. And it's not that I never take on a crazy. I've, I've prided myself on, on, you know, nailing it for a crazy once in a while. Um, but it, it, like you said, it's, it's our energy that we sacrifice. Mm. If we, if we touch them right away, if we go right in and start grabbing at their hair, we're taking on their nervous energy and then it gets us all frazzled for the rest of the day. So I think, you know, you said that you've been doing this over 30 years and I've been doing it 35 years and it's, it breaks my heart that for you and I, we can talk about this and we can agree on all of those things because they came with experience. And Mm -hmm. I know where you are, the schooling is much different. I hope and pray that the United States gets with the program and sees that this is an issue, that the things that the state board makes you do in beauty school, the, the, you know, how many hours for this and how many hours for that, it's just not realistic in a salon situation. You know, oh, I would have, if I could go back 100%. over again, you know, it would be consultation, cutting, styling, perming, and color. Like we spent probably two months on finger waves. And not that you don't ever need a finger wave if you do dress work, it's good to know. But the amount of time that we spent on things that I, in 35 years, have never gone back and used. Um, and I know the time's limited. So if, if the excuse here is always, we only have so many hours to do what we need to do and it's not our fault. And I get that. So raise the amount of hours that are needed, you know, make the requirement different because all of these, you know, I I shouldn't say kids because people join beauty school at all different ages, but people come out so unprepared for life behind the chair. And then so many of them leave the industry because they can't make enough money in those first three years, where if they were doing it in an apprenticeship and learning on the job, I think they would get a much different experience and be more that best prepared to be behind the chair. Oh, I 100% agree with you. 100%. 100%. They don't, te- they teach you how to do your, the trades, the, the skill, the actual doing the hair, but no one talks about how to 
do, consult. And, and this is part of the reason I, well, not part of the reason, but in my book, I would almost say that what it is all about is actually bridging the gap that's missing with, within the consultation between the guest and the stylist. And this is only being done to actually um, support both ends. So if within this book, the consultation is done for you, for the guest, then when they go to a salon, even if that stylist is not quite sure how to lead the consultation or ask you the right questions, the guest is already armed with what the direction she wants to go with her hair, not the exact hairstyle, not saying that's what you get from this book, but you're already knowing the questions you need to ask for you to be able to get the stylist to use their best skills to help you arrive there. Um, so what I mention and talk about is basically almost um, politely, gently, it just making everyone accountable. I am holding the hairdresser accountable, but I'm also holding the guest accountable. You can't just have, the guest just can't walk in and say, you know, oh, this is what I want and do it. It just doesn't work like that. And the hairstylist can't just not choose to listen and thinks, oh, I'll just do this and that'll be fine. It, it works together. So, but there's also, I mean, you can break it right down in just so many different ways. And, and, I, and I love this and I, and I probably still do it. But, um, you know, the kind of consultation I do maybe isn't the consultation that's called for in every salon, um, but it is for my guests and the people who are coming into my salon. They are looking for that and they are really wanting to fine tune that style and take the time to really work it out. The consultation I would give a 20-year-old is very different to the consultation I give a 50-year-old and you use slightly different language, as in words you use, um, and, and you have to kind of, you know, adapt to that age group because they're after something different and their focus is different and their world they're living in and what's important to them is different to someone in their 50s. So, so I think for the salon to recognise, all right, what's the age group we mostly look after and then design the consultation for the salon around that um, and particularly what it is that you want to offer. What does your salon do best? What do you stand for? What, what kind of clientele do you want to attract? And you would design your consultation to fit within that. When you do that, you can then comfortably say to the person who's asking you something that you're feeling like, oh, as a stylist this would be, um, you're feeling a bit anxious about or you don't do a lot of that. Yeah, they might have listened to everything the guests wanted and went through the consultation. But then you can comfortably say, you know what? That's actually outside of what we specialize in, but I know a salon I can send you to that is more perfectly set up for the kind of the direction you want to go. And then you can walk them out. And then that is a very powerful part of consultation that allows you not to end up getting or sticky and having a horrible thing happen there and then bad word of mouth because that person didn't get what they want. It just didn't align with that salon. But you can cater that into the consultation, which empowers your stylists to have an out and feel in control and not nervy when they're talking to people. Because I think today more than ever, the younger generation are so nervous, so anxious, so non-confrontational because they've lived, and I, again, I say this with love, on the other side of a screen yep. for most of their life. Yep. So for a hairdresser, it's face-to-face. -face. Anxiety has gone through the roof on both ends. I don't know... I didn't realize this until a couple of years ago when I was doing, because I still go to classes myself. I still do workshops. It's really important. And um, I was listening to the, the, the age group of the classes I'm in are getting younger. I'm getting older. <laughs> but list, I love it. I love listening to Silas talk as well. And I didn't realize how much fear has grown in hairdressers about having to talk to that person that comes in, sits in their chair. 
but yet the guest thinks they're the ones who are scared because you know they've walked into a world that they don't understand and I'm just like oh you all have to read this book <laughs> I can't wait to read your book because I love <laughs> that you geared it <laughs> yeah I love that you geared it towards the the client because there is so much discomfort when I'm training somebody new in the salon, I always will have them very early into the job. I'll say, do you remember how you felt the first day that you started when you pulled up out front, you were nervous about where to park. Maybe you had to parallel park for the first time. You know, you live in the suburbs and you have a driveway or a garage or whatever, and you had to parallel park and you weren't sure, um, you know, where to put your purse when you came in because you don't have a locker or, or a station because you're an assistant and you weren't sure where the restroom was, like all of those things that are anxiety triggers for you when you first came here. Remember, that's what your guest has when they're new here. And we forget that our salon that we work in becomes our home. We're so comfortable there that we forget that when someone's new, it's like having a stranger in your home. You know, it's, it's such a dual thing because the client's feeling completely different than the stylist. And I try to always remember that because when it's the first time at a doctor appointment or a dentist appointment, or, you know, a new nail person that I go to and just watching the things that they're not paying attention to, to make me feel more comfortable. Mm -hmm. So while we're on the topic of consultation, let's talk about pricing, because I think the biggest disconnect in our industry, especially with these gray transformations that can be, you know, really expensive and long processes, for some reason, somewhere along the way, we forgot that we should talk about pricing before we start the service. You know, another thing that you see on the forums is people, you know, I charged this and I have to charge my worth and da, 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 da. And they're ranting and they have the client texts that they're sharing on social and all this unprofessional stuff that makes me crazy. And all the hairdressers jump in. And of course they take the hairstylist side and I'm thinking, would you go to a restaurant that there were no prices on the menu and just order whatever you want it? There's no other industry that the price is a surprise at the end. You know, why shouldn't your client know what she's going to be paying before she has the service or at least have some sort of idea? So I think for me, that was the hardest thing with new hires was getting them talk about discomfort. They're, you know, 30 to 40 years younger than the woman in their chair. They're already uncomfortable having the consultation. And then it's like, and you want me to tell her the price ahead of time? You know, it's like such a fear, fear-based thing. So how do you handle that in your consultations? I actually cover this in my book as well about the, the cost. And I'm and again, I'm talking to the guest and, and I'm talking to them about their order of values, if you like. For some people, and it's not for us to judge what anyone else places, um, you know, high on their values list. That is completely individual to everybody. Um, but there are lots of people who will shop based on price and that's fine. So for that person, okay, I'm just... I'm just taking your question and throwing it onto the guest side for the minute, is that if, if cost is a big deal, then I always suggest that they get three quotes from three different salons or have three short consultations where, and even if it's a paid consultation, um, where they go in and, and also get, have a chat, decide, uh, talk with their stylist and also get a quote and then get an idea of where that actual price is going to sit for what they're after. 
and this is where I say I, I keep the guests accountable and the stylist accountable. You can't, you can't just have one attacking the other. That's not fair. So, so yes, it's going to be different for everyone and what someone wants to pay. When it comes to the stylist, well, that's a, a salon price. That's not the stylist just making it up on their own. I would assume that that, that salon, their prices for full head of foiling or your, your basic regular tint regrowth or a haircut is already kind of set. Um, if it varies, then there still has to be a guideline at some point, whether it's, well, this head of hair is going to call for, you know, 10 scoops of powder lightener, but this one's going to only call for two. And therefore, you can only assume if one's calling for 10, then that's going to take longer too, because there's a lot of colour to be applied. This one's going to be a little quicker, depending on how your pricing works. I'm actually going through a bit of a, a, re, a restructure of my pricing at the moment as well. But yes, um, I will do my consultation with everyone, not just new guests. Every person who comes in gets a consultation. The consultation obviously changes when you've got returning guests coming all the time. We almost jump straight into it because they know what I'm like and they know what I'm going to talk about. And they're already in the space of they know what Nathan's going to ask. So they're ready to go. It's amazing when you start training your guests mm. on how to go. They're in the zone real quick. It's awesome. So what I'll do then is once we decide on the service and we're, we're ticking all the boxes and working it out, I will say to them, if they're not a new guest, I'll say, would you like me to give you a quote before we begin for today? Um, they'll either say yes or no. Uh, and then but every new guest usually will say, well, not every, no. Some say no. Um, but let's say the average person will say, yeah, that would be good. So I will then give them a quote. But we do the consultation first. We don't quote first. We oh, do the yeah, consultation absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That gives me a chance to say what I can do, what I can offer, what I suggest, uh, what I might not suggest really work it out once once you have actually done all that work you have already got them in so for them to then turn around and say no this they've got to go and do that again with someone else so I do believe there's a lot of trust involved as well so if you've done the consult again I go back to the consultation if you've done the consultation right and you've really engaged with your guests and you're feeling good and they're feeling good and you're both feeling confident about where this is going very rarely will there be an issue when it comes to the price I agree. It doesn't matter what it is. But I would always quote or at least offer, would you like a quote before we begin today? Um, and you can even add that as something you check off on their client forms when they fill in, uh, if you do that, the information, like their names, addresses, emails, rah, rah, rah. Um, but uh, were you happy, uh, I don't know, it could be anything like um, you were offered a quote today, are you happy to go ahead and they tick that box and sign it off and then, you know, everyone's on the same page. There's nothing to then call out. I'm doing more and more of that too, where there's more of a, a contract at the end of everything, just to, so that we're all on the same page and no one can throw something back. But it also means that not just the guest is accountable, but I have to stay true to my word as well. Does that answer your question? <laughs> I could talk forever about here. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. And um, something that popped into my head when you were talking about consultation is the first thing that people will say when they're listening to this um, episode is, oh, I love the idea of the client having their own album and the photos and everything, but that you also hear people using the excuse of they don't take pictures of their clients because they're so busy and they run behind. So what, what is your timing like? How do you schedule your clients? Do you work with an assistant? Do you work alone? How do you fit in this beautiful, amazing consultation, a wonderful process, a photo, you know, all, yes. of, all of the things? I Look, it, when it all kind of started, I was nervous taking someone's photo because it, it, you, you feel like you're invading their space in a whole other way. Even though I'm behind a camera instead of talking to them face to face, it's, you know, 
anyway, um, I did have to work through that. And even I had to start working out how am I going to do it? So I don't do the photos outside in the natural light and the pose. I don't do all that. I just, the goal and the reason and intention behind this photo is for my guest first and foremost. If at the end of my day, after everyone I saw that day, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is like a great before and after. Um, I generally don't post photos of their faces unless, you know, and if I, if I really am in love with something that I, I think, oh, I've got to share this with the world, I always um, send them what I want to post and get their permission via text. Um, is this okay if I post this of you? But what I have been doing lately is um, when they're filling out their client card, I'm taking my photos. I, I literally walk around them and take the photos of their hair all the way through. Um, I'll tell them I'm doing it and I might part of section if it's a color transition I want to see the roots at the back underneath here there and I literally they're filling out a cup so they're doing something I've got to wait for anyway there's your first photos uh, at the end when I finish the blow dry I've got my camera ready to go I just use my phone and I just take a few from the same I've got a light that I just leave in the salon if I need to use it and it takes no more than probably a minute and a half two minutes just to go around and get those photos on those angles that you know, I'm not, I'm not looking for the perfect model shot. I'm just right. wanting to make sure I capture the hair and what we're after. Now, those photos, yes, they, they are great for the client, but they are even more powerful back to you for when you go and when they return and you look up the colour that you recorded that you did last time, and then you can go to the photo and also visually see what it was before it faded and what it looks like today when they've come back, right? So you can actually look back and see what it was. Or if there's something you want to change about it, you could, you might want, I write lots of notes to myself, it might be a case for next time I see them, I really think I might suggest rah, 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 and I'll put this in. And then I'll, you know, thank God for my own notes, because when they come back, I'll forget that I make that note. I'll read it and I'll go, wow, I really agree with myself there. <laughs> that would be great <laughs> to do something like that this time. But then I'll look at the photo and go, okay, I know where I was thinking, I know where I was at. So it, it just basically... I come straight back. See, they'll always remember your last conversation because it was just you to them. You, One right. you have 20 right? other people yes. you've had the same yes. conversation with. Yeah. Now, where do yes. you store so, all of their libraries? In the iPad, the selling iPad. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not, it's, not, it's my property, my tool. I have it open and ready when they arrive on their album. Yeah. So it's not like they just go and flick through anyone's album, but but sometimes I might use, I might go to someone else's, particularly with color transitions, and I've got a very nervy um, woman who's like, I don't know, I don't know. So look, I can show you a few that I might have thought of, and I go, look, this is where we started with hers, as we ended up, and this is kind of roughly the the process she had. If if I feel that using someone else's example is a great tool for that particular consultation, or to calm her down a bit, or give her a visual, but um, I always say that that's her hair. Like you're going to have your own hair journey. It's not like we're not going to replicate anything. Um, yeah, I think. I'm and how do you, how do you access their particular name? Like we all have hundreds of clients, so how do you have them organized where you can go right to it? It's in an album, iPad? so just just like you do in your phone, where you create albums. But does each person yeah. have their own album? Yeah, like is it an alphabetical yeah. order by an album? Yeah, so it's just like so if it's you know yourself or like Natalie Verasso, I just you know you just put search my phone you go to your album and there's a search it says search you just type their name in bring up uh, their album okay as long as you do it in an yeah. album because i'm yeah, thinking yeah. So if, if i just put it all just, in, in photos i'd be like flicking through trying oh to god find no, no 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 and that's what i was saying in the beginning the whole control freak thing i said i need i don't have time to wait i need it sorted so no so i've got an album for every individual guest 
So I just type in their name in the search and it brings up their album. Yeah. Love that. So it doesn't take that. Uh, having said that, I'm sure there's easier ways that I, if I had more time, you could always, I did use lockdown to do lots of work on the business. Um, you can never get through all of that. But, um, but sorting things out of that, and I do, the one thing that does take just a little bit of extra time, it's not taking the photos at the beginning or the end. It's making sure that at the end of that, you immediately, just like you go to the computer and store um, the colour information you did of them, although we probably do that while the colour's processing, but at the, when they leave, because you need to wait till you get that last photo, that you go and select all of those photos and drop it into their album. Otherwise, you have lots of homework of going through every... And I have fallen into that trap. I've gone, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. The next day starts a whole nother day of photos. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Um, and then you're trying to remember who's who. And do you yeah. use an assistant or do you work totally on your own? I have had an assistant over the years. At the moment, I haven't. Um, it's been, and that's probably been a little easier to manage, particularly with the lockdowns we've had. Um, so it's it's a lot of me and it, uh, it's probably too much me at the moment. I even had an assistant helping me with my social, um, but that's another whole story. And uh, yeah, I've been doing a bit more of that too. But um, but yeah, so it's been. But I keep saying but. But I do I do enjoy it all, and I feel like because it's mine, it's my business. And when I'm writing something, when I'm doing a post, I always I've started writing more because I'm doing it more myself now. As though I'm talking to someone about that person's hair, I write the story, the background, what we're looking at here, and I feel that people are able to be more engaged and the con the, the content is has got more realness about it because I agree you know I it's, it's to hard to uh, outsource that job I was just doing oh, it the so last hard. like four or five months and I look at my page and I'm like she'll, she'll post something and she'll say something I'm like I would never say that I have to go in and edit yeah. it and change it to my wording but the one time she said if I feel really stressed I'll go out for a run I'm like do you even know me I don't run <laughs> I'm like, anybody that sees that is going to be like, what? When did that happen? So yeah, I think yeah. I think that your individual voice has to come through. But it's interesting. This is the first time that we're meeting. I absolutely adore you. And oh, you mentioned thanks. a few times that you're a control freak. And so am I. And I think <laughs> as a salon owning control freak, I think that you and I both could say that we make our life a little bit more hectic by being in control yes. of every single thing. Like- you know, you could have an assistant taking those pictures, putting them in the album, doing all that for you, but you actually enjoy doing it and want to do it. And that's how I always was. I didn't want someone putting my glazes on the ends. I didn't want someone, you know, taking over the, you know, a lot of people will have an assistant do the back of the highlights and they're doing the front. And that stresses me out more having the help than just doing it myself. But when I look back now that I'm, you know, 35 years in and I'm, everything hurts. My body hurts. I'm like, wow, yes. I could have done, you know, triple the production and, and not really overworked myself by having someone with me. Um, and I think it's a gift to the person to have that strong mentor. Like I've only talked to you for an hour and I can only imagine how amazing of an experience it would be to be in your, in your company and assisting you oh, and watching. Thank you how you do all these things. So keep that in mind. Try try to loosen the control and, and grow a young mind. Oh God, wouldn't you that. love to have like three of yourself? You could like yes. rule the world. 
you could just roll around. <laughs> yeah, and you could, you know what I mean? I think we get so busy owning the salon and putting all the fires out and doing all the things that we don't have enough time to really find that person that becomes our extra appendage. Like they're so connected to us that they they know what we're thinking before we even think it. They, they know we're going to reach for the clip before we even reach for it and they hand us the clip kind of thing. Like those people do exist, but I think when we're busy doing we can't take the time to connect with that extra person. My my biggest goal for 2022 is to create the ultimate mentorship for young stylists that they can access it virtually, you know, when they have time, because even when they have a strong mentor in the salon, the mentor doesn't always have time to explain the why, you know, say you're doing yeah. one of those gray transformations and they're watching you and they might be thinking, why did she put that? gunmetal gray on the darker parts. Like what was her why there? But they don't want, they're professional enough to not interrupt you in the moment and make the client feel like is something wrong. You know, we've all had those moments where they ask so many questions, the client's like, what's going on? Why is she asking that? Um, so there yeah, has yeah. to be a, a happy medium, but um, I love your passion. I absolutely adore you. This has been, when I tell you, this really has been one of my absolute favorite episodes. So um, thank, thank you. you. Thank you for being here and tell people again that are listening the name of your book and where they can find it, both hairstylists and consumers. Sure. It's called Love Your Hair. It's <laughs> behind me there. I love uh, the cover. Discover your best hair. <laughs> your best hair I also did Audible. I narrate it. So it's my voice. Talking oh, you that's through. awesome. I, kind of, I like to think of it as though I'm taking the reader on a consultation journey, if you like. Um, it's also available as an ebook. So, you know, the, the, there's the paperback, but for, I suppose, um, I suppose sales are easier for anyone overseas if you just want to do Audible or ebook. But uh, otherwise, I'm more than happy to post up a, a hard copy and sign it for you. And do they um, get it from you or is it on Amazon? It's on most platforms um, for, for, the, for the Audible. Either, either the, like, uh, yeah. the ebook or the book, or how do they get it from you? Uh, if you just look up, if you go to my website, www.retreathair.com.au, uh, you'll see, I think on the front landing page comes up um, where you can buy the book anyway. And then it's, I can't, uh, it, the ebook is, oh, what's the company? That's terrible, isn't it? It's very easy to purchase the but they But they can get it on but your website, you basically. Can, Oh, absolutely. And then the audibles on most, like if you, if you're on audible or there's, I think there's like 12 different platforms, um, audible platforms. So if you already subscribed to one, just look up the name of the book and there's a good chance that you'll be able to find it there. So yeah, it should be very easy to navigate and find. I love that. And then share your Instagram so people can follow you on Instagram. Yeah, that's easy. It's retreat underscore hair. Uh, you're at retreat underscore hair. Uh, and then I think Instagram and Facebook are connected anyway, but everything's uh, basically navigated from the website as well. I have a YouTube channel. Uh, I also try to help women at home. I, I do a lot of talking to the guest, um, how to manage your hair, how to create these. How to, so my passion has always been helping that side. I haven't done a lot of, you know, my, my passion hasn't been necessarily training hairdressers. I feel like there's so many people training hairdressers. I thought I'd just leave them to it. <laughs> And I decided to train the other side, um, which is kind of how the book 
came about, I suppose. It was I was still talking to that audience. Um, but by default, I've, I've created an interest within the industry, um, which is fantastic because I, I love talking to hairdressers. And like I said, I still do my training and I still mix in amongst everyone. And yeah, I, but I definitely have a lot more salons to go visit. And now through COVID and like yourself, meeting you here um I want to come and see you right over the other side of the world I would love that <laughs> absolutely I'm in America that. I'm coming over <laughs> Australia is is definitely at the top of my bucket list I have to muster up the uh the energy to sit on a plane that my longest flight it's to date was um Thailand my daughter was living in Thailand and I wanted to go see her my son and I went and it was 24 hours non-stop you know up in the air 24 hours wow. and I still can't believe that I did it because now I yeah, fly yeah. from Florida to Philadelphia and I want to jump out the window so oh, my gosh. my tolerance has has gotten a lot less as I get older yeah, I can't yeah. sit still so thank you thank you thank you um this has been an absolute pleasure and everyone listening thank you for listening I hope you enjoyed Natalie as much as I did and you'll check out her book and follow her on Instagram and uh, we will see you on the next one. Thank you so much, Elaine. I've had so much fun. Thank you for listening to the Ask the Color Expert podcast. Please subscribe and be sure to leave a review. For more information on hair color education, please visit my website, www.expertcolorsolutions.com. See you soon.